This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Baldy's Breakdowns, the podcast with NFL insiders Brian Baldinger and Jason LaConfora, an Odyssey Sports Original. Welcome to the latest edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. As always, we come to you courtesy of our friends at Odyssey. I am Jason LaConfora at Jason LaConfora on Twitter. I have the uh, honor and privilege to be joined by my man Brian Baldinger at Baldy NFL to talk to you guys about all that's going on in the league. And we do this heading uh, into the fortnight here between games, as we now know that the Bengals and Rams will be in the Super Bowl. And and we will talk a whole lot about that specific matchup next week. But we do want to focus on those championship games. What went right? What went wrong? How did we get here? And obviously, there are two massive stories in the NFL right now. Um, that frankly are getting more attention than the game is this far away from the game. That is the retirement of Tom Brady that, although I think not shocking by the time it happened because of what had been reported, um, it still is uh, hard for many of us to get our brains around a league that doesn't have Tom Brady in it anymore. And then obviously Brian Flores suing the NFL um, with claims of systemic racism in in its hiring practices, uh, most specifically with head coaches at a time where there is only one African-American head coach is obviously something that um, people are talking about and that the league uh, is is going to be addressing here for, for quite some time. Um, so, Baldy, as always, this is uh, another zany week in the NFL. Um, I guess we'll start with, with the news. Um, I, I went back and looked at Tom Brady versus the people he played against. Yeah. During his career. And you look at the guys who are already in the Hall of Fame whose careers overlapped with him, you know, and they have like 15 combined Super Bowl appearances. I mean, this guy's got 10, 19 playoffs in 20 years. Um, what, I think 14 years yeah. uh, with a championship, championship. game, right? Yeah. And then the 10 appearances, the seven overall rings. You know, you compare him to all his contemporaries. This guy came into the league in, at a time when when people like Warren Moon and Dan Marino are still playing, when Jason mm-hmm. Garrett, Doug Peterson, um, yeah. uh, Jim Harbaugh are still playing. They now have had long coaching careers. And here he is going out at age 44 as an MVP candidate. Um, it's just staggering. It is. It's staggering, Jason. And there's so many different layers to how to assess the, his career. And so, you know, for a guy that spends an inordinate amount of time in a film room, 
studying players. And, you know, the one thing that I can say from my standpoint that might sound a little bit different is, you know, I could see when Brett Favre had the fall off and when the arm just wasn't the same. We saw it. We we all saw it with Drew Brees. And, we you know, they try to measure it with statistics, air yards and all this stuff. But the one thing about Tom Brady after 22 years is you never saw a decline. You know, his ability to still, you know, throw a touchdown pass to Mike Evans over Jalen Ramsey in a in a championship game looked no different than throwing to Troy Brown against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Like when I when you try to put it all in perspective, if you go through the annals of sports history and you go through baseball players and those that had longevity or basketball players, Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell, whatever, or Michael Jordan. The one thing about Tom is the level of consistency like that. I don't think could ever, Unreal. ever be challenged again because you, because he wasn't given the gifts that some other players have the ability to, to run the, the arm angles, some of this stuff, he had to be perfect. He had to literally be perfect with his ability to read a defense, decipher what you're doing, to get the ball out right. Like, and so he's just this classic thrower of a ball, any ball, classic thrower. And he was smart enough to understand that Alex Guerrero could help me do this. I'm going to get my own personal trainer. I'm going to take care of myself like nobody else. All those things, recovery, you know, the jokes about Alex has his hands more on me than my wife does. Yeah. Like all that stuff. And so that's the thing that stands out to me, Jason, is 22 years without any drop off in his talent or his ability to throw football. Paul, as I was sitting back the other night reflecting on his career and thinking about how I was going to sum it up in a column, the thing that really struck me was we always talk about these these other guys couldn't get to the promised land. Because yeah. of because of Tom Brady, Baldy. But let's flip the script. Look at the field he was going against. Look at this is the greatest. There's 27 quarterbacks at this moment in the modern era, the Super Bowl era, enshrined in the Hall of Fame. This guy played against probably at least nine guys himself and eight others who were going to end up there. He, you know, we've already got Farvin, we've got Warner, and you know, Breeze is going, Russell Wilson's yeah. going. You know what I mean? Peyton's already there. Eli's going. Rivers is going. Big Ben's going. A-Rod's going. He played in the golden generation of quarterbacks, and he destroyed the field. Yeah. He has as much as they have combined. Baldy, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. In an era where you've got to score more than ever to win because they've incentivized pinball football, and he's fighting against the greatest generation of quarterbacks ever, and he destroys the field. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the organizations that have never been to a Super Bowl. You look at the organizations that have uh, never, uh, you know, that have never won a Super Bowl, the the Minnesota Vikings or, you know, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, and then, you know, the teams never gotten there, Detroit, whatever. And he's he's been there 10 times. Like he, he, you know, you, you, you think of Hall of Fame players, right? In any sport, Jason, if they dominated the competition for a decade, well, he did, he did it for two decades. So there's just really, and, and, and like in your column that you're writing, like you, could, you could stack it up in, in so many different ways and you can measure it against so many different variables. 
And he, he just comes out on top, but so far out on top of everybody else. Peyton Favre, Warner, Eli, Russell, Breeze, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Aaron Rodgers. Nine guys combined for 17 Super Bowl appearances and 10 Lombardis. And he's got 10 appearances and seven Super Bowls himself. That's impossible. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah. And then, you know, just, you know, the, the thing that's also striking is you figure after 22 years in an industry, mm-hmm. you'd have made one enemy. Somebody didn't, you know, somebody that played with you thought you were a schmuck. You know, some, right. nothing, right. like, you can't find, you can't find anything. Like, you can't find any, like, I remember, like, one of my, I was telling the story this week, like, you know, one of these credit card companies, I don't remember which one, Visa, I think it was Visa, but, you know, they, they came after him hard to do this national commercial. He's like, I'll do it if you put my offensive line in the commercial. Right. Like, who even thinks about that? You know, and then and they succumbed and they they did it. And, you know, Matt Light and all these guys are in his commercial. And you go, that's cool. You know, like, you know, you know the, the, just the reverence, not because he was great, but what made him great. You know, the, the work ethic, you know, beats everybody to the facility every day. Um, you know, the preparation, uh, all that. St- he made everybody else better. I mean, how many left tackles? Nate Solder became the highest paid tackle in football, right, Jason, right. because of Tom Brady. You know, Trent Brown became the highest paid tackle in football because he got a chance to protect Tom Brady. Like, the guys that got contracts because of him. And head coaches. Charlie Weiss became Oh, my a goodness. Head. Oh, you know my mean? goodness. Go through the list of guys that became head coaches. You know, Josh McDaniels is getting a head coaching job. It's all tied to Tom Brady. Like, pick a subject in the game of football – and it gets tied back to Tom. It it it, it is truly um, it, it's truly phenomenal on on so many levels. Uh, and and Baldy to spin it forward now we we have more even more clarity about the NFC moving forward. And it is now an NFC that in the span of a calendar year has said you know goodbye to Drew Brees, goodbye to Tom Brady, goodbye to Sean Payton, um, possibly goodbye to Aaron Rodgers, possibly goodbye to. Russell Wilson. Um, it's very early, but you look to that conference and say, anything's possible. You know, maybe maybe it does set up for Dallas now. I don't know, right? Garoppolo just got to the championship game, and we'll talk about the games in a minute here. But, you know, he it's probably Trey Lance time. Like, it is a weird moment in time for that conference. And then conversely, you look at the AFC and Woo! what we just watched. We didn't think games could get any better than they did in the divisional championship game until we got to the conference championship game. And then we got two more. And it's, I mean, it's never, ever been more defined by your quarterback play than it is now. I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo makes one good throw in the fourth quarter, one 49ers might be dancing, you know, with the, you know, into SoFi stadium. I mean, just, keep the shop set up down there with the RVs and 49er fans, they could be there. I mean, to watch Matt Stafford make these outside of one throw that should have been intercepted. I mean, to watch him make these throws to Cooper Cup and to, you know, Odell Beckham and to watch what Joe Burrow did down 21-3 to Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's never been more defined by your level of quarterback play. And it it kind of makes you sweat if you don't have that guy. Like, 
Sean Payton's not coaching anymore because he doesn't have that guy in large part. I mean, if you don't have a guy that can make these type of throws under duress, pressure, moments, like you can't, you can't get, you can't get to this game on February 13th right now. No, it, uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is wild times indeed. Before we move on to the games, Baldy, obviously there was another bit of, of massive news that came out on Tuesday. Uh, Brian Flores, who was fired by the Miami Dolphins uh, after what winning eight of his final nine games, uh, who was at the point in time of Tuesday morning, not employed by an NFL team, but had interviewed for many jobs. Uh, Brian Flores opened a class action lawsuit against the league, um, alleging decades of systemic racism in their hiring practices. The results of this alone, the fact that the number of African-American um, and just people of color in general who get opportunities to coach and manage and be president of, of teams um, continues to go uh, in the wrong direction. The, the statements by Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent and others over the years admitting that this is a problem and they try to address it through the Rooney rule and other ways to incentivize change. But obviously um, the tentacles of this, some of the allegations, um, some of the um, different things brought up in this lawsuit regarding he alleges payment for losses at one point to incentivize tanking from Stephen Ross. He alleges that there was a tampering meeting, um, a meeting where a tampering could have taken place on a boat where Ross was present, as well as a free agent quarterback. I, I'm told that quarterback was Tom Brady that Flores decided not to take part in some text messages between him and Bill Belichick. It's sure. obviously a bombshell, Baldy, and I yeah. don't know where it goes, but I also don't know that you could deny that race is a factor in hiring practices when you look at society and you look at NFL locker rooms and then you look at the coaching ranks and the team president ranks to say nothing of the ownership yeah. ranks, it ain't the same. No, there's so many layers to this, uh, Jason. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll just jump in. I've always, I mean, you've written this, Jason, and I'm not, but we've either read it or written it over ever since the Rooney rule was put in place where, I don't know, just, Brian Dable gets hired. Well, we satisfied the Rooney rule. Like, it was almost like we we knew it was a sham. And he's, you know, his allegations against Denver, it's a sham. Um, what what happened with the New York Giants? I mean, Joe Shane gets hired. He hires Brian Dable. It's, that's not that much different than Chris Greer hiring Brian Flores in Miami. Like, you're going to go with a guy that you know sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't, so I'm not. But I think the Rooney rule is a sham. I think we knew it was in large part because it wasn't effective. Now, there's ways to approach it. I've heard this from Tony Dungy before. Like, okay, it's a sham, but every interview is a good interview. It prepares you for the next interview. And I think there was some truth to that. Uh, Brian did get a job. But Brian's also being a martyr here. Like, he's, oh, yeah. in, he's in place for two two jobs. And I like Brian Flores. Mm -hmm. I believe that – I believe without ever being – in an interview room with him that he interviews well. I believe that when he stands up in front of a group of men that he can get your attention and he yes. can lead. I, I, I firmly believe that Brian has everything it takes to be a good coach. I think he's got to learn from his first job, the way Belichick learned from his job, first job or Kyle yep. Shanahan or yep. Mike Shanahan did from his first job. I think guys are better in their second jobs in, in a lot of cases than they were in the first job. The, yeah. the allegations against Stephen Ross, like, 
I don't, I don't doubt any of it. I live in Philadelphia, Jason. We're, we're the home of the original tank, yeah. you know, to go get Joel Embiid and to get yeah. Ben Simmons. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I played on a one in 15 team. And I, I know what fans think about when they say, you know, suck for luck or tank for Tua. And I understand all the fans who said, why are we trying to win games? But I've been on that one in 15 team, Jason, where I tried everything I could to win every game possible. And when Brian had to be faced with that, like, here, here's an incentive to lose. And Brian's like ripping whatever hair left he had out of his head. Um, like, that's, that's serious stuff. That, that, like, I don't know how the league is going to handle that, but they have to handle it. And so I, I don't know where it goes, but I've never, I've never thought an owner would go that far. But I also understand Stephen Ross, Jason. Right. Like, if they had Joe Burrow right now, would they be in the Super Bowl? Quite With possibly, Brian Forrest, the coach? Like, Quite it's, possibly. It's, it's a possibility. Like, I understand it, but I never thought, right. like, it, it, like, we would hear that. But now, now we're hearing like how how it goes down. Yeah, I, I and again we'll we'll see sort of what receipts and evidence. You know what I mean? Brian Flores has to back up the allegations because that's one that I can't imagine Steve Ross or you know a, a, anybody who works for him would put something like that in writing. You know what I mean? Like I would yeah. tend to think that's not in an email or a text, and I don't yeah. know if there's recordings. I don't, I, you know, I don't know much more than just the surface level stuff I've read in that lawsuit. It just came out not even 24 hours ago as we record this. Um, but certainly the NFL needs to show some vigor in its willingness to investigate this the way they went all out on Bounty Gate and Deflate Gate and a lot of these other things that once you got to the end, you were kind of like, wow, I'm not sure how much there 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 was. But I know the lawyers made millions. Uh so a lot, a lot of ripples still to come yes. from from what Brian Flores has brought up. But to the larger point, again, at a time where there is one black man, Mike Tomlin, and 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 two other coaches of color, I guess you could say, Robert Sala and 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 Ron Rivera in the entire league, and this this hiring cycle right now looks like it's going in a decidedly Caucasian. Uh, direction with a lot of guys with no experience or minimal experience compared to some of these African-American candidates. Uh, I, I don't know the counter argument to the NFL has a systemic race problem because it, it we're a hundred years into this thing now, Baldy. And yeah. it, it, you know what I mean? And guys like Marvin Lewis don't get a sniff. You know what I mean? Jerry Reese. I didn't hear boo about Jerry Reese. They're, a third of the league turned over. Jerry Reese won, Jerry Reese won a Super Bowl as a GM with the New York Giants, I never heard his name mentioned. I heard a hell of a lot more about Kellen Moore and some like, you know, something ain't right. It's just, I mean, something ain't right. Well, and that's why Brian is making the rounds as we're taking this here, Jason. Brian Flores is making the round national TV, CBS, ESPN. And he's in the middle of two coaching searches. Like he just interviewed, I think with Houston. Yes. Um, And he either has one scheduled with New Orleans is already done. I mean, he's in play. I mean, seriously, in play in two places, and he's basically saying, "If I if I have to be a martyr yeah. to get change, then I'm basically willing to do that." And I I respect that completely. Um, and he's and he's not wrong. No. Like, you know, we we we. I, I don't we, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. I know this: 
that uh, the the player, the coaches of color that are in organizations that have what it takes have to be talked about more year round and yeah. be put in positions where they can make that jump. I mean, they have to do a better job of that. I, I don't doubt and. Like I said from the very beginning of this thing, the Rooney Rule, I understand why it's in place. Um, and it serves a purpose, but it also can can make it a, into a sham. Yeah. And, and I think that has happened a bunch over the years. Yeah, I, I am with you. And um, this is obviously something we will be talking about. Um beyond the Super Bowl and into the offseason. Uh, but Baldy, let let it let's uh, make the awkward transition now back to the gridiron. We had uh, two wildly entertaining and, and at times strange football games. Um, I, I think my lingering takeaway from the Chiefs game is twofold. The Bengals' ability to shut them down in the second half of two games, because they did it in Week 17. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in the second half and overtime yeah. of two games against them, 17-30 for 105 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, a bunch of sacks, and a QB rating of 50. That's not supposed to happen. And when you're on the biggest stage and you're on the road at Arrowhead and you're down by 18 and you come back and win the game and only need one touchdown to do it, that's not supposed to happen against that offense Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes choked. I, I, I think that, you know, and, and, and that's not taking away from what the Bengals did because Lou Anarumo's got the secret sauce and he shut them down in the second half twice. But ultimately, that wasn't good enough from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It just wasn't. You know, it's not good enough. And, and I went back and watched it really carefully, uh, Jason. And it's interesting what Lou did, Lou Anarumo did. In the second, well, so things started, you know, to change on the, the screen pass to Samaj P. Ryan for 41 yards. They got him on the board, you know, 21-10. And then, you know, the decision with five seconds to go to run a play and not execute a play to at least get out of bounds is, is kind of inexcusable. I mean, it's, it's inexcusable yeah. on Andy Reid's part, Patrick Mahomes' part, Tyreek Hill's part. Everybody that touched the ball to not come away with three points. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. That's what bad coaches and bad teams do, Jason. So not to get three points. And that gave Cincinnati. So you score a touchdown, and then you stop Kansas City, and you go in at halftime 21-10. Then Lou comes out with this plan the second half. It was unbelievable, actually, Jason. The Three-man rush, huh? <laughs> well, they, but it was on second down. Yeah. On second down, they did it. So on third and six, third and seven, on, on second and six, second and seven, they lined up in four. They dropped, they dropped the defensive end. So mostly it was Sam Hubbard, but sometimes it was Trey Hendrickson. That led to a B.J. Hill interception. Like They rushed three, and they made Mahomes hold it. And Hubbard would, you know, become like this spy on Mahomes yeah. when he started to run. Yeah. Rover, and, yeah. and it really, really worked. And, you know, that was a little bit of the secret. And then they, on third down, they put all this pressure on him to convert. And they kept the safeties back, and they took the deep crossers away. And it frustrated Mahomes to the point where, in overtime, he made a throw that he shouldn't have made. Yep. You know, and – so I, I give them a lot of credit. But, yes, you, you you can't lose that game if you're Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. There's no way. But I give Cincinnati, the coaching staff, a ton of credit. Like, they don't buckle down 21-3. to no. And they don't throw in the towel. And there isn't the long faces on the sideline. And they just keep, you know, fighting and scrapping. And, you know, they, they made those plays. And it was they were well coached. And they played well from behind. And you can't say anything more about Joe Burrow. 
like the touchdown throw to Jamar Chase, like they go for it on second down, and there's a miscommunication between Chase and Burrow. And they're like, let's do it again. We got this. Right. We're, we're going to beat Rashad Fenton. And, you know, and they, they come right back to it. Like there's just a belief. And I went back and watched the national championship game against Clemson. They did the same thing against them. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- these two guys have been doing this now for three years and, you know, for, yeah. for three years. Well, I mean, to me, a couple other things from that game, the, the ability for Joe Burrow to get away from the rush and Chris Jones in particular, who you and I know when he gets someone in their hands, in his hands, especially a quarterback, that dude's usually going down like that. That's just the reality. I mean, his, the strength of his hands, the strength of his upper body, for Burrow to be able to make him miss as many times as he did, I, I thought well, was extraordinary. Yep. So he had two third-down scrambles in that fourth quarter right there. And one of them, Chris Jones has him completely wrapped up. And so I was listening to Jordan Palmer, who, you know, worked with Joe yes. in the offseason, worked yes. with Josh Allen. And it was he really made a great point. You know, when he was rehabbing, coming back from his ACL tear, you don't just rehab the knee. You rehab the whole body. And he said he came back, his core strength, his overall strength, he's so much stronger now than he was before the injury. And it was never more evident and on display than breaking a tackle behind the line of scrimmage by Chris Jones and being able to get away from that and scramble for that first down, which kept, you know, the drive alive. So I thought that was, you know, pretty poignant, just how much stronger he is now after the injury. And then the other final note I had on this game, Baldy, was now we're watching this Bengals team shed 30 years of angst and misery and and playoff futility. Baldy, they haven't played their A game yet, and they're in the Super Bowl. Like, that's the thing. Like, they're the team with no experience. They're the team that's, you know, young and dumb. Uh, they're they're the team that's coming in with this, with this, you know, carrying the weight of 30 years of failure. They haven't played four quarters yet, but they've been – able to, to be so good in the spots where they needed to be that despite having to go on the road twice against higher seeds, they're the last team standing in the AFC. That kind of blows my mind because I, I you go back and watch these games and you're like, they're still not finishing drives, right? They're still stalling in the red zone. They're having parts of these games where they're getting outclassed and they're still winning. Yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes down to it, they have, you know, maybe the best kicker alive. Uh, yeah. Th- you give them a, a a thumbs up or a, an advantage going into the Super Bowl because of just how good McPherson has been uh, all year long, not just in the playoffs, but I mean, he's been perfect in the playoffs. So that that's helped get them over the top, you know, especially in Tennessee when, you know, they, they got one touchdown run by Joe Mixon and everything else was a field goal. But, you know, to go into Tennessee, the number one, the prohibitive number one seed, to go into Kansas City, um, you know, you're, you're going to go through, you're going to sputter against teams that are probably better than you, yep. uh, you know, but you're going to sputter at times. So I'm sure against the Rams, uh, Rams are, you know, favored at this point. We'll get into the, the matchups next week a lot, but uh, they, they certainly don't have any fear. And the quarterback is exactly what you want. He's, he's fearless and he's got a go-to guy when he has to make a play in Jamar Chase. But if you want to do everything like Kansas City did at times to take Jamar Chase out, Watch out for T. Higgins and uh-huh. Tyler Boyd, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so I think the loss of C.J. Ozama, though, is is, is pretty significant. Yeah. 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 Um, we talked a lot. A lot of people talked a lot about Kyle Shanahan having Sean McVay's number. You and I both agreed that 
we felt like a big part of the success of the 49ers versus the Rams is that the 49ers were a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit deeper in the trenches. However, Baldy, um, they got the lead. They seem to be in control and they can't run the ball. That to me was why the game was decided even above and beyond the quarterbacks. Kyle's team, big and bad, 20 rushes for 50 yards. Debo didn't look right. I don't think Trent Williams was totally right. That's another tough loss for Kyle Shanahan, but the bully wasn't the bully. That that's what it wow. came down to for me. Everybody can like talk and say, well, you know, they they lost a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, they had a total of three play action passes in the game. They converted two of them. I mean, they they couldn't gain a yard on first down, starting with the first play of the game. They got beat up front. Um, Aaron Donald gave a little pep talk, and you know, in the second mm-hmm, half, and mm-hmm. the pass rush, you know, and, and Aaron Donald did what you're supposed to do when you're Von Miller and Aaron Donald. You're supposed to take a game over, and they took the game over in the fourth quarter with their pass rush, and literally, San Francisco couldn't complete a pass um, all the way to the end with that, you know, flipping interception. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo, they took the game over, but they they hadn't been able to do that uh, because San Francisco's ability to run the ball. But they won the line of scrimmage. They physically whipped them at the line of scrimmage. Um, Ashawn Robinson played the best game I've ever seen him play. But they 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 defeated blocks. They stacked and shed blocks, and so San Francisco could never get the run game going the whole day from the first play of the game. And when you take that away from Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, they don't look uh-uh. very imposing. And, and they weren't to the, to the Rams. Because, let's face it, even if Joukowsky Tart intercepts that ball, which, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how he drops that ball. Yeah, but he even if he does, like, I'm not sure the 49ers still win that game. Because they they there was no run game. No. And credit the Rams, they took it away. And then, conversely, you know, Matt Stafford was there for a reason. I mean, they – Yes. I give the Rams credit. People can tell you now in hindsight, well, Matt Stafford was always an elite player. I saw him – I saw I saw a 3-12-1 team with Matt Matricia, you know, as a head coach. Yeah. And Matt Stafford didn't look like an elite player to me. Yeah. Um, they saw something in his ability that other teams didn't. And even if you did, they went out and made a bold move at this time of the year last year to make them the, the quarterback. And he's looking like Sean McVay and Les Snead look pretty smart about the moves that they made to get him there. And the throws that he made on third down and the touchdown throws he made to Cooper Cup and to Odell Beckham Jr., that's what you need your quarterback to do in championship games. And they'll need him to do that in a Super Bowl game. No doubt about it. Um, They would make that trade a million times over, and they don't win that game with Jared Goff. They don't get close to that level with Jared Goff. Well, Baldy, we will go very deep next week uh, uh, detailing, like you said, the matchups, the different things um, to look for as we give you a guide to the Super Bowl. Uh, We will reconvene next week, but this has been the, I guess, post-championship game edition of Baldy's Breakdowns. We thank you guys for listening to us. As always, please rate, review, Give us feedback, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Lock and Four. You can follow Baldy at Baldy NFL. And we look forward to talking to you guys next week.